You know, with this self-righteousness, you see a lot of it. The fruit of it is judging. It also comes in accusation. And guys, no one is here to judge another person. Every one of us has done this at some point in our life. But, but Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Jesus, on the other hand, is called our advocate, our lawyer, or our intercessor. Whose side do you want to be on? I mean, really, ask yourself, whose side do you want to be on? Do you want to be the advocate, the one that's praying and interceding for someone when they've done wrong? The one who's speaking blessings over that person, who's only speaking life, who refuses to judge, who refuses to condemn? Or do you want to be on the side of the, of the accuser, the one that's constantly finding fault with everyone? The accuser who is always shaming who is always bringing to light the negative, the dark things. No, I mean, what if you could look for the good in every person that you know? What if you could start to see through the lens of love, see through the eyes of mercy, see like Jesus sees? I'm telling you, this isn't easy for people because it requires faith. It requires getting outside of self. It requires laying down all the good that we've done and all the things we think that we, uh, comparing ourselves to someone else. It requires us honoring God in every conversation. It requires us doing this. I'm telling you, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you will change what you say about them, you will change the way you see them. Do you know, even within a, in a marriage you have the power, wives, you have the power to speak such righteousness over your husband that they will actually live up to what you say. And it takes strength. It takes real faith to do it, especially when they haven't done it right for 10 years. Now, my Jeremy's perfect. Okay? He's probably watching right now. He's perfect. No. No, he's not perfect, and I'm not perfect, okay? And that's the truth about every marriage. But you have the power to speak life. You know, the Proverbs says this. Mm, it's a good scripture. I just, it's coming to me. I'm telling you, the Lord's helping me right now. Proverbs says this, that a wise woman builds her house. Now, a lot of people think, well, we're in this prosperity camp. We're talking about building uh, a big old house, like an actual physical house. Now, it could mean that. You can use it for that. But do you know what it means to me? A wise woman builds up her husband, encourages her husband with her words, speaks over him no matter what he says or does or how he acts, speaks the word of God, builds up. The, the wise woman will build up the children of the home. She will speak life over her children. She will speak healing. And when they are acting a fool and doing something crazy, she will speak words of truth over them. She will, she will literally, what's the word? She will 
release faith into the atmosphere of her house. A wise woman builds up her house, encourages her house, has the power over her house. Glory to God. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing in that house. It doesn't matter what any, how anyone else is acting in that house. A wise woman can build her house. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, let's look at, I want to read you a passage in Esther. Thank you, Lord. We're doing good on time today. Now, I do have to disclose that this is my favorite book of the Bible. And any of you that's ever heard me teach, you know that I've said that about several books of the Bible. But really, no, I love Esther so much. Um, And I, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just wonder where to start here because it's all so good. Does anybody else love the book of Esther? I mean, you should find Jesus in every book of the Bible. But this is a book, you can find him a lot. You know what else you can find in this book? You can find mercy. You can find love. You can find favor. You can find boldness. You can find righteousness. And that's where we're going to get to. I just want to tell you a little bit about this, give you a little background on the story of Esther. First of all, there's a king named Ashurus, and of course, I'm not going to say that just right, because you could pronounce it like 10 different ways, and we're not, you know, Hebrew scholars. But he had a great kingdom, and he made a feast. He had a dinner for all of the officials and the servants in the land. He invited them to come. And in verse 4 it says, He showed them the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty. And doesn't it tell us in Titus that God will spend the rest of his time showing us the exceeding riches of his glory? All of these things are types and shadows of the day and age we're living in today. So he has this big feast and he invites so many to come. And during this feast, he, you know, have you ever had anyone over to your house for dinner? And maybe you've just done a remodel or you've gotten it all ready for them to come. You can't wait to just bless them, right? To make a good meal for them, to show them your new decor, to show them, you know, your new living room sofa. I don't know. You're ready to show the riches, the things that are happening in your house. And so he was excited. This was his way of blessing the people. And in verse 9, his wife, Queen Vashti, she also made a feast for the royal palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. So one thing I noticed in this passage Although she lives there, and although she's the queen, and although she's given a place, and although she's given a position, there is still a recognition of who actually owns the house, who it belongs to, who the palace belongs to. Now, this is a great thing. There's a difference between boldness in righteousness and just arrogance in life. Arrogance is this kind of, well, first of all, I'll say this, boldness is confidence with an awareness of Jesus. Arrogance is a confidence without the awareness of Jesus. 
It is a self-righteousness. And in this place, she had, I would just say this, you're going to see it in a few verses. She had forgotten who this place belonged to. She forgot who was over her in authority, in rank, in position. You know, with righteousness, you are equal. You are an equal. When it comes to righteousness, you can stand before the Lord as an equal. Did you know that there's also, though, in the kingdom of God, rank, responsibility, and reward? And that's a whole nother message. So I am going to focus today entirely on the foundations of these, these things about righteousness. But that's for another message. We'll just be waiting for that. We're going to get into that later. All that to say, it says this, that the king, he, in verse 11, he said he wanted, you know, he wanted to bring her in to show her off. He wanted to bring her in to, this was her, part of her kingdom responsibility. And so it says, he commanded them to bring Vashti in wearing her royal crown in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come. At the king's command, brought his eunuchs by his eunuchs, therefore the king was furious, and his anger burned within him. This action of refusing to come was really showed what was going on in the chambers of her heart. There was no honor for his place. There was no humility. There was no willingness to just simply come. You see this all through scripture. You could go and study Luke chapter 14. This is almost identical to what happens in the great feast that Jesus describes in the parable. If you have time this week, go back and read Luke 14 and you'll see all of this come to light. But it was only her refusal to come that kept her from going on in the kingdom. I think this is really interesting. You know, her beauty is what brought her there. But her lack of honor couldn't keep her there. Or her, her, her dishonor couldn't keep her there. Yeah. And God will give us favor. He will give us blessing. He will open doors for us that no man can close. But there is a cooperation that we have in the things of God. And one of them is to simply show up. You know, I heard this this week, that the greatest ability is availability. A lot of people, they, they, no, it's really good. That's really good. The greatest ability is availability. And I've learned this in life. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how, how you know, gifted, how bright, how, you know, the, the things that are so wonderful about you. It doesn't matter if you just simply don't show up. Faithfulness is simply showing up. It's simply being present time and time again. As surely as the sun comes up every morning, he's going to come and show up and show us his faithfulness. This is his attribute. This is how God does things. Faithfulness. So faithfulness is just 
the nature of our Father. And so in this passage, it says the king's anger was burned about it. And then later, I think this is so interesting, that he talks, he gathers all his friends together, all the officials that are ranked highest in the kingdom, and he says to them, she did not show up. She didn't come. She didn't obey. And at what happened was, in verse 17, he says that her behavior will become known to all women so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes. What is that? Thinking lowly of. Well, where did that stem from? Self-righteousness. And all of them are going to despise. So basically, she's, he's saying that since she did this, if we let this go on, that it's going to breed a culture of dishonor in this kingdom. Do you know this happens in businesses everywhere? This happens in churches everywhere? Just the refusal to show up, to be a part, is just, in this passage, it's dishonor. Dishonor in the land. So he goes in and he says, basically, let the king, verse 19, give her royal position to another who is better than her. How was another better than her? Well, in their reverence, in their ability, really just not in their ability, in their availability, in their willingness to show up. And then it says this, um, if you keep going on, they call for all the women in the land who would like to come. And they appoint people to come in. And in verse 3, we see that they start to bring in a young woman named um, Esther. And they say, let her beauty preparations be given to them. I think it was 12 months total. And for the six month, for six months, if you read down in verse 12, you'll see, I believe they soaked in oil, essential oils, myrrh, and who knows what all. And then for the next six months, they were beautified with perfumes. They were basically at a spa treatment for one year. I mean, I'm rejoicing with Esther right now, right? Anybody else? Can you imagine just soaking like that? Well, what is that? That is a type of the anointing. Soaking in the presence of God for a period of time. That makes you a, a vessel that is fit for the salvation to help save a people. Spending time in the presence of God, that's a type of the anointing. Spending time in the anointing. You know what I love about Esther? These are just a few things that I think are so cool. And then we'll get to the main part. If you look at verse 15, well, I'll say this. She just kept getting promoted, okay? Verse 9, it says that the young woman pleased him. What does Hebrews tell us that without faith, it's impossible to please God? What is faith? Sometimes faith is just showing up, faithful, being faithful. She just was there. It says she obtained favor, so he readily gave beauty preparations for her that wasn't even her allowance. I'm talking, this is like real, I mean, this is like, I'm gonna, you know what, Jeremy, if you're watching right now, I believe you are like King Ahasuerus. 
and I, I know my birthday's coming up. <laughs> so then it says this, that, that she was actually moved, her and her maid service, to the best place in the house of the women. That's promotion. And it says that um, she, you know, she's this beautiful, uh, beautiful woman, and she just was respectful. I love this in verse 15. Well, verse 14, she would not go to the king unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. She had honor for him. She didn't just talk and say anything that she thought. She was respectful. She listened to her heart. Verse 15, it said this, She requested nothing but what Haggai, the, king, uh, the king's unit, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. She requested nothing. You know what that means to me? She wasn't high maintenance. She wasn't. She was probably so chill and so cool. She was not high maintenance. And if you keep going on, you'll see in verse 17, it says, The king loved Esther more than all the other women. She obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then he made a great feast and called it the Feast of Esther. Do you think she showed up? See, it was Esther's beauty that brought her into the kingdom. It was the favor of God on her life. But it was her honor that kept her in that place. It was her honor for God, for his people, for his authorities. So good. Thank you, Lord. If you keep reading, you'll see the great, we know the great story of what happened with Esther. But we find that Haman tried to come against, well, really all his stemmed from insecurity. He was mad at Mordecai for not bowing down to him. And when he didn't, this is Mordecai is Esther's, was it cousin? I think cousin. Was it uncle? Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, he was very insecure about this. You know, people have power struggles. They're always looking to themselves. There's a kind of insecurity, which is really a form of pride. But he, he wanted to hurt him. And he wanted to hurt everybody that was connected to him. So he devised a plan. And he told the king, I want you to let me kill all the Jews. And what he didn't know was Esther was a Jew. And the king, you know, ends up agreeing to this plan. He doesn't know who this would hurt really. And it says this, that Mordecai, in verse 8, he sends someone to explain to Esther what's happening. And he starts to beg Esther to make supplication and plead for the people. Esther, without even realizing it probably, had been called by God and set in this place for such a time as this. And in verse 11, it says, The king's servant, the people of the king's provinces... She says this, if any man or woman goes into the inner court to the king 
who has not been called into the inner court. He has but one law, put all to death, except the one for whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. And yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for these 30 days. So it says that, you know, her heart is greatly distressed. She's thinking about her people. She's thinking about herself. She's thinking about what could happen in this decree that's been made. But she knows that she doesn't in herself have the ability to walk in right before the king. She doesn't have that openness, that open door to do that. And so then she calls for all the people. Well, I'll say this. Mordecai says this. If you remain silent, Esther, at this time, verse 14, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. She had a call on her life. But she had to come. She had to show up. She had to cooperate with God and his things and his people. And then it says this. Esther called on the Jews in verse 16 and declared a fast. And they began to press into prayer. Now, with the things of God, it's so important that you and I don't just sit around lazy Waiting for everything to fall on us. Hoping that something happens for us in life. No, faith requires a pressing in. Faith requires a laying hold. I mean, faith requires going after what you see in your heart. And she began to press into prayer. She began to fast and to pray. And she began to get the plan of God on what to do. She pressed into his presence, and she called other people to do that with her. And you know, at that time, of course, it wasn't quite the same hearing from God now, but it was the heart that mattered, and it was her heart pressing into his things. It says this on verse 5, though, Now it happened on the third day that Esther, this is how she decided she could go in. She put on her royal robes. If you look at scripture, this would be a type of the robe of righteousness. Put it on like a garment. She put on her royal robes and she stood at the inner court. Now, if you've studied scripture at all, you know, no one, not anyone just gets to go into the inner court. She stood at the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in his royal house facing the entrance of the house. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she found favor in his sight. He held out to Esther his golden scepter that was in his hand and Esther went near and touched the scepter. It says this, He said to her, what is it that you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom. And of course, I can't help but think about Hebrews. It says, let us boldly come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
It was boldness. It was righteousness that produced boldness. It was knowing how much she was loved. It was knowing how much she was favored that gave her the boldness to come right up to the throne of grace, to ask for help, to ask for mercy. There was no self-righteousness knowing that this is going to happen because of how great I am. No, it was dependent on the love of God or the love of the king for her. Knowing how much you're loved produces a boldness that cannot be shaken. Knowing how much you are favored because of Jesus produces the kind of confidence. And listen, it's the awareness of Jesus. It's not just self-confidence. It's God-confidence. It's righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not self-righteousness. So it came with this kind of grace. She, she approached with grace. She approached with humility, knowing that in herself she couldn't come boldly to the throne. But because she had the royal robes, she put them on and she went and stood. He extended her, his scepter to her and said, whatever your request is, I will grant it for you. I will give it to you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.